Information about the world of running, inspiration to fuel passion and excellence, and ideas for making connections and finding community. You're listening to A to Z Running. Welcome back one and all. I'm Zach. And I'm Andy. And we've got another great topic once more for you this week. We're excited to have Kyle Cutler, race director of LMCU Bridge Run in Grand Rapids, Michigan, here with us to share with us about how to make the most of race day. And we are super excited, both because of the content that he's sharing, some great ideas, some great anecdotes about some interesting things that happen at races or uh, some things to avoid potentially for those of us who like to do these kinds of things. Uh, But also, we love Bridge Run. So you might detect that a bit as we talk with Kyle, but uh, we've done it several years in a row and we're going to continue to do it as long as we can because it's just a wonderful event. So we're really excited to talk with Kyle about and that. And even if you are not planning to run LMC Bridge Run, there is a lot here for you about every race experience that you'll be able to take in to your wealth of knowledge when it comes to running. Absolutely. But before we get to that, let's first share some wonderfully interesting things from the world of running. our world of running we've got a couple announcements and at least one exceptional performance we'll keep this pretty quick and concise because we got a great interview coming for you but uh the first just being a new world record on the roads yeah oh yeah exciting on the roads in the men's 10k and this was joshua cheptegay who ran 2638 or for 10k on the roads now it's world record on the roads remember that the world record on the track is um kennedy sebekele in uh 26 uh, oh man i'm gonna forget it's like 26 12 or 26 18 or something so um yeah uh now that being the case the other notable thing is joshua cheptegay just recently won the world championships in the 10k as well as previously uh, back in the spring won the world cross country title so clearly 2019 was a great year for him. Mm-hmm. So congrats. That was exceptional. News as of yesterday. So this is fresh off the press. I first was privy to this information from Instagram. What a great source of information. Zach, you should get on Instagram. Highly trustworthy. Everything on Instagram <laughs> is true and accurate. Guaranteed. Uh, well, we're not saying that, but I did check my source. So Gwen Jorgensen, she posted just a really simple um post saying my 2020 plans colon a turn on the track so i was thinking oh is she not doing the olympic trials marathon so then i got searching and it looks that that is actually the case she had first when transitioning to just running said that she'd like to win a gold medal in the olympic marathon uh, for the usa and now it looks like she's going to be going for the u.s team in the 10K. So that will be her predominant uh, event that she will be striving towards. So you can look for Gwen on the track come 2020. And she's not the only one who made that exact announcement. Uh, the other notable in that category was Mo Farah, who has been trying for the marathon two years ago. He said he retired from the track. Um, but as it turns out, 
he didn't because he's coming back out of retirement. He has now announced that instead of running the marathon, or I guess it's possible he might do the double, but he, he said that he's going to do focus on the track for the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. And being the defendant Olympic champion in the 10K, he's going to come back and try to defend again at 37 years old, which will make him the oldest male to compete in the 10K final as well. I have to say I really like to watch Mo race. He's a really fun one to watch. That is true. And we know he's fit. It's not a question of whether, you know, it's not like he hasn't been training for the last two years. He's been trying to run marathons and he's been running some decent ones. Um, He's been winning half marathons at, you know, all levels. So clearly he's fit. The question now is, can he do that final lap 10K kick that is the reason he was so dominant for so many years? Mm. Can he do it? Because if he can't, someone else will. Well, that does it for this week. But as always, we'll have more soon. thank you so much for being here Kyle we really appreciate it and it's awesome because you're an expert at a few levels um one you are a race director two you organize community groups and you are a vibrant part of the running community in Grand Rapids so tell us a little bit about how this all came about well it's always dangerous when you call someone an expert so uh don't quote me I guess uh yeah I found running probably like most of us did um back in middle school high school uh, my team, uh, my high school team didn't have a soccer team anymore. And so I was looking for something to do. Um, and so I did track. Um, my coach didn't quite know what to do with me the first meet. So he threw me in the two mile. And I was trying to figure out like eight laps. That seems like forever. Won that first meet. <laughs> um, awesome. And that's nice. kind of how it started. But um, when it comes to uh, the racing and, and being a race director, I, I have passion for bringing people together. I love, especially in the race side of things, uh, at least the race director gets this great perspective where you get these early emails um, before the race opens, where it opens, uh, I think I can, or my, I'm stretching myself. And then you get to see these people at the finish. So I get to see everyone at the finish. That's cool for me. But really seeing and being able to connect that story that started with, I don't know if I can type situation and, and watching them really break their goals and be there at the finish line celebrating with them. Yeah, and that so even just part of our interest here will be to get a little bit behind the scenes like that too. But um, you know, even just thinking about the full spectrum of an individual event experience, you know, getting to see waves of that, and then iterations after you know year after year of doing it and such, you, you have you have a really large scale perspective on those things. What should runners do to prep for a race? Like, what is some advice that you might have as a race director? Yeah. Um, you know, I've got so many funny stories. I don't want to call anyone out, but I, I, I think, A, understand the race. You know, I, I've managed a few different events. Some people sign up for our 10-mile thinking it's a 10K, um, even though it does say 10-mile everywhere. <laughs> uh, you know, so so reading, you know, um, understand the topography. Is it a hilly course? Is it is it flat? You know, what time of day is it? Is it trail? So I think just understanding all that perspective, uh, I think it's part one. Um, part two is instead of goal. Like it, it's the same thing I think you would tell any runner is, you know, what is your goal for that day? You know, what's a, what's a stretch goal, but really what are, what goals are you ha- happy with? I always kind of word it when you cross that finish line or you're celebrating the next day, what do you want success to be like? What do you want to be celebrating? Um, and I think, you know, and Dathan said it um, a few podcasts ago, but find a group, you know, not only that group going to hold you accountable, but it makes more running so much more fun. Yeah, especially if you, when you're in the event and they're there and, you know, you have your people. I love that experience. It's great. 
So when should someone sign up for a race? Like, what's your recommendation? So as a race director, I would love everyone to sign up the moment they, uh, the race opens. Um, you know, and I think some of the behind the scenes stuff, what a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, custom medals take a good eight to 12 week lead time. Um, custom shirts, and I'm usually stretching the, the timeline a little bit, but that's like four weeks out. And so, you know, the races that we manage the Run GR, we really want to create this great participant experience. And some Sometimes we're guessing and, and hoping we have enough medals in line or hoping that we've uh, satisfied everyone's need with shirts. So I'd say as early as you can, um, but I would also recommend, and I do this myself, I'm just as guilty, is you know, when's the next price bump? Um, when do you feel trained and ready enough to hit that goal? But put it on your calendar, set the goal. If you commit early, then you're committed, right? Um, there's no bailing, um, but as a race director, it's early, the better. Yeah, I hear that. Although we're, we're sometimes ones that jump in something last minute. So am I. <laughs> I. I enjoy that experience of like the day before the race deciding, I think I'm going to run a race tomorrow. And, and yet um, that's probably the worst way to do it. So. so that leads to race morning. Now there are a lot of details and you have a lot of advice like on the website too, but can you run through maybe some of those things that a runner should do the morning of a race or time out? Yeah, I would say, you know, do you know what you're going to wear uh, the day before? So what's the weather like? You know, if it's a 7 a.m. race, maybe clock it back to 5 a.m. So am I going to be warm? Am I going to be too cold? Uh, you know, hopefully you've already found this on the website, but I always encourage uh, runners to ask questions of the race director. The way I view it, the races are serving the runners. So whether it's on Facebook, whether it is uh, through an email channel, you know, feel free to always ask questions. But uh, but one of the questions to ask, is there a gear check? So if it, it's going to be a cool morning, do you know if there's a gear check or is this uh, a shirt that you're going to cut and toss type situation? Um, especially with some of our city races, you know where to park, you know, and you plan that parking. So really, I'd say and coach people to you know, think about the day or two before what race morning looks like for you, but what you're eating, um, where you're parking and just some, take some of the logistics out of it. So that's one less thing you're worrying about. You know, you're going to get down there an hour and a half before the race. This is roughly where you're going to park or this is option B. This is what you're going to wear. So when you wake up race morning, you're all set. You're ready to go. You've got your number of the goos or whatever it may be. You don't have to worry about anything other than just having fun. What are, what are some, either your own experience personally or observing things as a race director or even just being around other people when they're racing, some of the um, outstanding or worst race morning crises? Um, so a personal one, uh, my wife and I did the Detroit half many years ago, um, and we foregoed or forewent some porta potty lines because they looked too long for some other ones, and we were still standing in line in Detroit. They do... a a series of waves. I think it's A through like M. So it's, it's pretty crazy. And we were still in the line when the first wave went off, the second wave went off, the third wave went off. And so I finally hopped in. Um, so that was not a great scenario. My time was all right. At some point, it was just the adrenaline of picking off the next group. Um, so that, that's a bad, uh, bad scenario. But yeah, I've seen a lot of races where there's not enough porta potties or uh, not enough signage to say, actually, there's a whole bank of porta potties around the corner um, that no one knew about. Uh, so I think porta potty situations are kind of end being the, some of those worst case morning scenarios. I have to say, Kyle, that you guys do very well with the Porta Johns at Bridge Run. There's 50, 50 at Rosa Park Circle. I know that number. And I think that's the cool thing with the Bridge Run. Um, 
I tend to get the limelight um, sometimes as being the race director or I get all the blame, however you want to look at it. Uh, but there's a whole committee of 20-some runners from a whole different perspective um, and different pace continuum. And we really want that to be a great race experience for anyone that shows up, from the people that win our race uh, to the people that are you know, maybe finishing last, but it's the first time they've done a race. And so we really do look at those things because we all consume races. Um, and so we bring back, and it's kind of the homework uh, throughout the race season is, bring back the things you liked about these races or the things that you didn't think went well that could potentially impact us. So let's figure out not how not to do that or, or how to do this piece a little bit better because um, as, as racers, we're consuming the same product that everyone else does and we really want race morning for everyone. Again, that's a big continuum, um, but everyone have a great experience. So what time do you wake up race morning? Uh, so race morning, I really never go to sleep because uh, I get very antsy. Um, so I'm usually for uh, the bridge run in particular down Rosa Park Circle around 3 a.m., 4 a.m. Um, some of it, there's some things it's that need to be done. the middle of the night. Yes. Um, <laughs> we've actually had to set the bridge run up starting at midnight one, one year to do some scheduling conflicts at Rosa Park Circle. So it can be done. Um, but yeah, usually about 3 a.m., 4 a.m., we kind of start what we couldn't do the night before um, and get things ready. So how do you gear up for that? Like mentally, do you listen to music? Do you jam on the way? Do you drink a lot of coffee? Like what's your strategy? Luckily, adrenaline. Um, so it's the problem is when the adrenaline wears off uh, and you just want to fall asleep. Um, no, I, I've got a great team. We do fragment a lot of things. So it's not just all on me. Part of me showing up early is I just get antsy. I'm not, I'm afraid of oversleeping. Some of those same race jitters for the racers I'm experiencing too. I just have a place to go at 3 a.m. where everyone else wants to stay in bed. Um, but yeah, it, we, we check things off. We have plan A and B if things don't go well or we're running behind um, we kind of know where the safety valve is and some of those things but yeah race morning race weekend there's just not a lot of sleep hat so what can a racer anticipate maybe for bridge run or any race what can they expect during the race um, what I would hope is that uh, you have a great race experience. You know, I, I think that to me looks like uh, there's tons of crowd support out there, whether that's through volunteer uh, cheer stations or your family and friends being out there. Uh, there's adequate number of aid stations. Um, you're never questioning where am I going to go, left or right here, is it straight? Um, and then you have just the understanding of what's the finish line look like? Is it going to be food there? Am I have to bring my own? Uh, so I think from start to finish, just looking at, consuming, and I keep using the word consuming here, but really it is, you're consuming this product. And, and I'm hoping everyone walks away feeling like they had this great, great experience and great product that is just not you out there by yourself, but, you know, camaraderie with your fellow runners and just energy on the course. So I've noticed a lot of like groups from schools and other organizations that will be out on the course. How does that come about? Yeah, so uh, one of the things we love to do with the Bridge Run, too, is support local community groups. So we um, provide a $150 donation to groups that go out there, um, whether it's cheering on the course, whether it's our aid station. There's tons of behind-the-scenes work that happen with setup and teardown with uh, charity groups. And so each year, the Bridge Run um, gives about $10,000 plus to local community groups, um, both through our charity component, but also having those uh, volunteers out there. And the cool thing is, is that we actually get contacted a lot of times now before the volunteer link goes up because these groups want the same spot or they want to know like hey is there enough spots and so we always say we'll find a spot for a volunteer group and you guys have done the bridge over the last several years and I think I hope you feel at least every year there's at least one or two new spirit stations or aid stations out there with the energy and so we're very proud of not only being able to give back but the fact that I feel at least we've been giving a great volunteer experience so people actually want to come back year after year too. 
that really speaks a lot to how you've been organizing it, Kyle. And I have noticed, like I was, as, you know, I had knew to ask that question because the race is really fun and lively, and you don't get that at every single race experience. So that's a really cool thing that you're doing. And the weather's cooperated. That's the other positive thing. You know, yes. I've been uh, involved in the race for seven plus years. And we've had some rainy mornings before people have showed up or rain after as we've tore down. But the day of experience has been perfect or maybe a little warm for runners, but perfect for volunteering. So that's helped too. So how important are volunteers and spectators? Uh, you know, at least for the um, races that I'm a part of and, and help with, and I help with some races beyond just the Run GR, um series of races, they are the backbone. Um, you know, a lot of things go on behind the scenes, whether it's the people that got your bib ready before you got to bib pick up to help you with your bib to picking up the cups um, to just this, the spirit and energy in the course. Um, you know, the bridge run, it's 400 plus volunteers uh, race weekend to, to pull that off. Um, you know, even the cross country team challenge, which is a smaller scale race, that's about 15 to 20 volunteers to have that great participant experience. Without volunteers, our races just don't happen. I think that's the cool thing about the running sport, the running industry is that people love helping other people, uh, especially today's age where I think people are more jaded about some of these experiences. Um, people love investing in runners. Runners are usually for the most part, very passionate about the volunteers that are, or they're out cheering other folks on. And so uh, I think that's the cool thing about being in this sport, being in this industry is everyone is, is helping support someone else too. There's not a whole lot of competition it feels out there. So how has running or being a race director influenced how you view running? Like, is, does it change it at all? Um, at points, I can be, uh, sometimes my wife will point out a little bit of a snob sometimes when I say, well, I could have done that a little bit better, or that's causing a headache for them. They should just do X, Y, or Z. Um, so I do sometimes look at things that way. But I also understand that this thing happening right now actually was probably something that happened completely out of that race's control um, four steps ago. And so, you know, a little extra grace, a little understanding of, yep, I, I understand how that happened type situation. We've talked a little bit about this, but what are some behind the scenes, fun, interesting things that people might want to know about being a race director or what goes into race prep? A lot of things. It seems that you, it, you would seem to think that finding a 5K course or a 10 mile course, whatever it is, is actually is easy. It's not, um, especially if you have a course with a fixed start and finish line. So it's it, that's challenge number one is, how can you get that distance figured out with a fixed start and finish line, which makes things easier for a lot of people, um, you know, post-race party, volunteers. Um, and then it's also thinking through, okay, if, if it's not a, a fixed or the course is in loop on itself, do you have enough volunteers for aid stations? And, and so I think we do a, a, a lot of thinking through, not just from our participants perspective, but the volunteer perspective of, do we need to another, add another aid station because we, we changed this? Um, if so, do we have enough volunteers? If there's enough Gatorade, it's all that kind of fun stuff. So, uh, you know, with the bridge run, you know, being a little bit larger event, we plan pretty much 10, 11 months out um, in a lot of these kind of weird behind the scene things that people don't think about or think about if you cross train tracks, there's technically this thing, you, the train tracks can't be closed because of emergency. So you just kind of hope a train doesn't come type situation. Um, or a fire station has a first right to get their equipment out and it could block a race. So there's all those other little wrinkles too that when you run by the fire station and wave, you never really think about the fact that I hope that fire truck doesn't have to come out. 
And and so Bridge Run crosses that by that fire station. Um, that's what is that? That's like on the corner of Leonard and Monroe. And yeah. Has, has it ever happened? No. And luckily, we've got a great relationship with the city. Um, they move all of their equipment out of the uh, firehouse or work with the other stations to cover. Um, so fortunately, that has never really been an issue for us. So I'm curious then, as the race director, what would you do or has this happened um, when someone goes off course and everyone else follows them off course? I've had that happen across country and you just you just follow them, right? Um, you know, I've not been in a situation where we, we do offer prize money, but we're not, no one's trying to get records and awards for us. So I, I'm not sitting in that situation where it's a USTF certified and everyone's using it for something to qualify. We are USTF certified. Um, yeah, luckily I've never been in that situation. You know, part of that's got to be on the race a little bit. Um, and the hard part, I think, of this equation, too, we've talked about volunteers. You also got to train your volunteers. You can't put volunteers on a corner and, and hope they understand what left, right, or straight means. Um, and so I think that's part of the wrinkle that a lot of people don't understand. Sure, you can raise your hand to volunteer, but does that volunteer know how to hand out that cup of water or, or how to hand mix the Gatorade or some of these other things that there needs to be direction. So I think uh, if it ever happened, the bridge run, there's going to be some onus on the race that something went wrong and it was our fault down the line and doing what seemed right on everyone to sort it out. So that's where the planning comes into place and how long or how far in advance do you start planning? Uh, for the bridge run, it's about 11 to 12 month lead time. Um, you know, with the city of Grand Rapids, we have a great relationship, but you never know with construction or things like that. So uh, we don't actually have the route released to us to about four weeks out um, type situation. Um, and a lot of us actually run the route a lot too. So we try to find, is there a pothole that's randomly emerged or is there a crack or where can runners go wrong? Um, and again, I think because so many of us run on my committee, actually everyone does, and, and has this different perspective from the front of the pack to the back of the pack, you'll see that we intentionally put arrows on the ground, we put arrows you know, eye level, we really try to mark it in a way that whether you're looking down or looking up, you're, you're gonna see it. Um, we have several lead cyclists, and make sure all those lead cyclists know the course uh, and, and know it well, and so if the pack breaks up, there's another lead group, so to speak, leading that secondary or third packs that emerge. That's awesome. So first timers, people who have never run a race before, do you have advice for them? This is the group I, I love. Um, and this is the group with the bridge run we really hope uh, feels the love from us too. And so, you know, going back to what I said earlier about uh, races are for the runners. And so I would say to a first time runner, don't hesitate to reach out to that race director or race and ask a question or put a question on Facebook about that race and just see if people know. Give the race directors grace. I'm a volunteer race director. I have a 45 plus hour a week job. Um, so a lot of the race directors are volunteers, but don't have to ask questions. Um, with the bridge in particular, we have a closed Facebook group for newbies because um, we recognized a while back, it wasn't the training that's probably the barrier for someone. It's not knowing this weird lingo about packet pickup and chafing and, and, and trying to think yourself back. If you're new in a middle school lunchroom, you don't want to be the odd person looking out. And so um, we've done a lot um, in our minds, at least, to hopefully um, get people to a point that I can do the training and I kind of know what all this weird lingo means, so I know it's expected of me. Um, but I would say, you know, uh, set a goal, uh, reach out and ask those races um, 
questions that concern you. Put things on Facebook just so you have an understanding of what this race is and how best to navigate it so that when you're crossing the finish line, you feel like you're a success and you didn't have to worry or stress about chafing and if I'm going to chafe or can I take a goo pack or do I need to bring my own? All these things you wouldn't even think of if you were a newbie. So you may not be able to answer this question, but are there any new things or you know some some surprises coming up in the future for Bridge Runner? Things on your mind that uh, the the committee is working toward? Um, we always look every year to elevate um, one or two new things in the experience. Uh, we just kind of wrapped up, and my entire committee is volunteers too, so uh, we do want to take a break from each other. Um, we just kind of <laughs> wrapped up the 2019 season, uh, so we're looking for 2020. Um, we're always cognizant about the participant experience across the board from the fastest to the slowest, so we're looking at some route changes potentially. Um, but within that too, the good and bad of the city of Grand Rapids is it's grown so much in the last seven years. When I started being in involved the race seven eight years ago no one was downtown on a sunday morning no one was staying at those hotels there was less hotels um and now a lot of people are downtown a lot of conferences that are downtown and so we want to be a good steward of the community so right now we're working with um the city of grand rapids talking to some of the hotels and things to figure out is there a way for us to still stay anchored in grand rapids is a way for us to cross all the bridges and keep that same experience for the 5k and 10 mile and maybe minimize the impact that we're having on a sunday morning but also also ensure that the course is wide enough and accessible for everyone. Um, and these are the things I, I think when people contact us and propose routes, like that, that's great. There's a lot of other things you're not seeing. You're not seeing the parking ramp. You're not seeing that 131 on off ramp type situation that we're trying to keep open. So uh, we're balancing a lot of that. Um, and so whether it's, it's this year or our next year, hoping that we have a, a little bit more space, especially the finish line uh, for everyone. Why should someone race? Why should someone sign up for a race? Uh, perfect question, especially um, as we're on Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is the biggest race uh, day of the year. I'm not sure if you guys knew that. More races are held on Thanksgiving the other day of the year. You know, that makes sense. It does. Um, I would say it, it's a fun experience from pushing yourself to new limits. Um, and as we talked about before, the race industry, the race sport, whatever you want to call it, loves each other. And I think, you know, not only are you pushing yourself, but you know everyone's going to celebrate with you, even if they're complete strangers. And this is the one space, and I'm not so much a hugger, but hugging at finish lines and you're all sweaty feels right. Um, <laughs> it feels like something you should do. And so, yeah, I'd say, you know, you push yourself, but really find a group of friends or, or maybe find some new friends and you just get to experience something in a whole different way and and really just feel this bond with people that you may not even know but they're cheering you on and they want you to do your best and cross that finish line feeling successful that's really cool i like the thought of how you can bring strangers together and be cheering and it's a completely natural thing and the work that you're doing influences like I got my PR I got my 5k PR at the bridge run thanks to you you know all the work that you did and again like I met some new friends that I you know now I'm connected with at a race so yeah building relationships getting PRs all of this is really positive stuff to bring into our lives as runners and I think the perspective I get as a race director um and I think I've mentioned this before all the stories that come to me. And so um, you know, on that same course, you got your PR on uh, with someone that had just been diagnosed with cancer and they were walking the 5K as, the, as their way of fighting or someone that lost a parent and this was the way of memorializing them. So I think too, this is one sport where everyone 
shares the same field of play and it's the same for everyone. And so, yeah, you got your PR and that's what you were out there for to do, which is great. But this whole list of people have these other stories and other reasons being out there and you're all doing the same thing at the same time. Yeah. And I noticed my team Triumph was there. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, my team Triumph is a great group. Uh, if you race any race in West Michigan, you've probably seen them. Uh, it's where uh, people that are um, otherwise wouldn't be able to participate in races um, are pushed by captains. And so uh, you think about that amazing experience of these individuals that just, you know, for whatever it may be, physical or mental abilities, wouldn't be able to experience the energy or experience getting a medal at a finish line. And you've got people that are dedicating or giving up a race, if you will, um, to make that experience for them. So, so they're a fun group. Um, you've also probably seen... Uh, these little kids out there running. Um, that's another group we work with. It's called No Surrender Running Club. And we there's a group of adults that work with inner city youth um, and use running as a means to teach them goal achievement, accountability, teamwork, and it all culminates in the bridge run. So they train in the heat of summer at Garfield Park, um, and a lot of them have never run before. This is a whole foreign concept. And that's kind of cool, again, for me on race day. I get to see those stories and know what's going on and see those people crossing the finish line. July, they never thought they could even run a mile, let alone finish a 10-mile, still standing up and excited about it. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, we uh, we know a few people who have been a part of both of those, my, my Team Triumph and the No Surrender group, and um, it's always really exciting to hear those stories because like you were saying earlier, Kyle, that you know the spectrum of the stories, and it's kind of that shared human experience thing where you know I may not know you, I may not know your story, and I may not understand what you're going through, but there's an element of all of that that we're sharing in that moment, and, um, and then to be able to learn some of those stories and really truly understand the depth of that has been, has been great. I guess another first-timer tip I would say, or anyone, put your name on your bib. Everyone's going to cheer for you and yell your name loud. So yeah. there's a tip right there. I actually have never done that, and I love that tip. <laughs> so is there, is there anything else that you'd like to share? No, I, I, we just appreciate um, everyone that comes out. We recognize and all of our NGR races, and there are other races to help with. People have choices. I mean, whether it's a race or sleeping in. Um, so we're just so grateful. Um, you know, the bridge run has grown uh, since uh, 250% in the last six, seven years. And so uh, the fact that not only are people um, coming every year, I mean, I think several years ago, we were celebrating just having 1,000 people. Now we're over 2,700. So not only are, they, are people coming back, but they're telling their friends about it. It's kind of gone viral. Um, and so that that's humbling, um, but it's also because of, of folks like you and everyone else that's willing to talk about it, that's willing to sacrifice sleeping in on a Sunday morning um, and come down and join us or, or our cross-country meet or these other things we have going on. So uh, we, we fully appreciate it. I fully appreciate the fact this only works when people are willing to sign up and tell their friends and then come out and have a great experience. Well, we, we love it. We love the race experience in general, but we've especially found Bridge Run to be um, close to home, both in our hearts and geographically. And so it's just a lovely combination of everything we hope for in a good race. And um, 
So we appreciate that, and and we certainly just want to continue down that path that you mentioned, Kyle, that um, there's something about that experience, and we've talked about it so much and, and here in our podcast and our blog and um, just with people as we you know interact with other runners, that there's something there that I'm not sure I've experienced in very many other contexts anywhere else in, you know, in day-to-day life. So we appreciate the work that you do to continue to provide and grow that experience and continue to look forward to participating as well. Thank you, guys. Well, thanks again, Kyle. What a great conversation and certainly a lot of good advice, good tidbits, good reminders for all of us in the running community who just love these events. One thing that I thought was really interesting, things you don't think about, the amount of Gatorade they have to prepare for the amount of racers that they are anticipating, some of which, some of whom I should say, will sign up the morning of, like us. So they have to properly gauge how much people will eat, how much people will drink. And of course, I mentioned earlier the porta potty, like the count of porta potty is spectacular for the LMC event, but can make race day so stressful if you don't have enough of, enough of those things. So I probably shouldn't uh, say this, but I'm going to anyway. Sorry, Kyle. But uh, after finishing the bridge run this past year, um, I may have circled back to some of those Gatorade tables several times and <laughs> grabbed some additional Thief. cups. Of, so, so I'm it, the one who's oh throwing no. off all of their counts. And all of, I also stole those seven or eight medals people. at the finish line. He's lying okay, now. I didn't do that. But I did take a lot of extra Gatorade. So with all of these details, I think it brings us to the broader takeaway which is again that amazing experience that we can all share together i just love the thought that we can come together and cheer and it's natural like kyle was saying giving sweaty hugs you would never ever do that if it wasn't for an exhilarating experience like a road race i still don't ever ever do that uh but i've given you hugs at the end i'm gonna post pictures of that yeah, but I had a plastic on bag on uh, wrapped around me so that when you touched me, your sweat didn't come in contact with my skin. I'm sorry that I appall you. You don't. Just your sweat. Yuck. Well, that was great. So, uh, love it um, because we just love the race experience, and so it's a wonderful time. Um, we are definitely excited for more of these kinds of conversations and hope you are too. And really just continuing along our mission of trying to connect people to the ideas that we enjoy about our sport and running and the running community. You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook. You can, of course, contact us through our blog, our website, a to Z running.com. We'd love, love, love to hear from you. Some of the stuff that we have ended up putting out has been because of questions from all of you. So please stay connected. Keep the questions coming. And until next time, thanks for listening.